I'm Steve Everett, serving with uh, Gap Ministries and ABWE. We served in Brazil for 10 years, and uh, this church has been a, a great supporting church to us. Uh, my wife is not here. She sends her greetings. She'll join us this weekend, this coming weekend, Friday, and uh, she'll be at the ladies' tea and then the Sunday night uh, panel discussion, so you'll be able to visit with her and see her again, but uh, we're going to, if you weren't in Sunday school, uh, I'll just briefly tell you uh, a little bit. We have switched ministries. We are now with GAP, and what, what we do basically in a nutshell is we travel to other countries looking for uh, ministry partners that could use some, some help, some uh, partnership, as, and uh, we're hoping that we can encourage and challenge churches in the Northwest to partner with some of these Brazil, uh, national partners worldwide, possibly in Brazil, possibly in other parts of the country. And that in a nutshell. Plus, we'll be leading other teams, uh, holding uh, English camps at times as a door opens up for that. And uh, so that, that's our new ministry, and we're excited about that. And uh, we shared uh, some pictures and, and stuff this morning in Sunday school. And uh, anyway, but this morning, I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a gut check. Uh, sometimes us believers, we need to have a little bit of gut check. I know I do. How are we doing with our e evangelism? How are we doing with people that we come in contact with? Are we just going through the routine of life, leaving it up to the leaders or the pastor of the church to kind of do most of the evangelism? As a believer in Christ, we are all instructed to go and make disciples. And so today we're going to do a little bit of gut check. But first, how many of you remember, it's a terrible story, worldwide attention on a little girl, I wrote her name down, Jessica McClure, that might not, but it happened back in 87, 1987. So if you were born after that or you were just, you, you won't remember that. But you remember she was a little 18-month-old girl that fell down the well of her aunt. You remember that? That was terrible. And it became such an incredible focus of our nation worldwide too there were people from other nations that were bringing their media and, and it was broadcast worldwide it was like time stopped and she was in there for 58 hours i can't even imagine my you know my 18 month old girl down in a hole by herself for 58 hours and I still remember seeing the, the guy, they dug a hole next to her and ended up being able to get her out. And I still remember seeing that guy with the hard hat on and everything in a harness and he cradling her. I mean, it was like the whole nation erupted in praise. And my thought is about that story, if we can focus in our attention on so much on the physical well-being of a little girl, how come it can be so difficult for us 
to focus on the spiritual well-being of our friends, our families, our co-workers. That can be a challenge, wouldn't you agree? We're afraid to be ridiculed. We're afraid of losing a friend, losing a family member if we share Christ with them. If we, they, you know, we're afraid to be calling stuff. And so today I want to look at three things. I, I was able to provide you with a, a, an outline, and if, if you're a note taker, that's great. Uh, but there are three things that I want us to look at. We need to be right, we need to have might, and we need to have sight. So today we're going to start looking. The first one is we need to be right. We need to be right in our doctrine. We need to make sure that we're right on. There are so many things out there today that can really start clouding our doctrine, what the Bible says. This, uh, I used to work construction, and I have this one friend that he's not a believer, and uh, we would travel sometimes up to Portland, which is about 45 minutes, sometimes south to Eugene from Salem, about an hour uh, to, to Eugene. And so we get a lot of time if one would be driving, the other one might be sleeping or whatever, but we would talk a lot. And a lot of times about sports and stuff, but a lot of times it was spiritual. It would turn spiritual. And, and Sam would ask me all these questions. You know, one time he asked me about the rapture. What in the world is that about? And it, this is kind of a side note. I, I said, let me put it to you this way. If the rapture happens, ju let's just hope that you're driving and not me. <laughs> and he looked at me at first and he went, oh, hey. <laughs> but one time I asked him, what do you think happens when you die? What do you think happens to you? And he said, well, I just think I get put in the ground and my soul just kind of floats off in atoms, like atoms and stuff. That was his hope. I would say his doctrine's a little off. And I shared, he asked me. And so you know, it was a great opportunity to share. But my point is we need to make sure that we're right on. If we're going to be able to uh, share the gospel, we need to make sure. Uh, if you look at your notes and you can turn to 1 Timothy 6. And I did supply, uh, I think, script. I'm going to have us jumping around, and I have been accused a time or two. I get going so fast, and, oh, I didn't get the scripture reference for that. And so I, uh, I think I got them all there. And we, we might not look at all of them. Uh, but at least they're there, and you can maybe look at them in your own time. But we'll look at the first one, 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5. And this is kind of a warning. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He is an unhealthy he has an unhealthy craving for con controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspensions, and constant friction excuse me, among people who are depraved in mind and depraved in the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. 
People who teach false doctrines fail to understand the harm and how it cuts them off from God. And sometimes lately I think that we can, we can get caught up in some of this false doctrine very easily. Second John verse 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And then also, uh, if you want to turn to Galatians 1, 6 through 10, we'll read that as well. Galatians 1, 6 through 10. I marvel that you are turning away so so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who, who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do, not, for, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I speak to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. We need to be right in our doctrine. I really appreciate my home church pastor, Pastor Craig, Many times uh, from the pulpit, as he's uh, going through his sermons, especially, I guess, what I might uh, call the gray areas. You know, there's some, there's some definite things on salvation and stuff that Scripture is very clear. But there, what might be the gray, like divorce and remarriage and, and a few other things. When he's going through some of that stuff, he many times says, if you find that I am at fault or in error, please come to me and we will go to the scriptures and work this out. He wants to be held accountable. We should be that way. We should have people around us keeping us accountable, making sure that our doctrine is right. We need to be preaching the correct doctrine, the correct gospel. Second thing under that is we need to be right in our life. We need to make sure that what we're doing and that we are correct and working on our own life. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, I like how Paul is uh, encouraging Timothy here. And it says, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers as an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. He's exhorting him to be an example. It doesn't matter your age. If you can be an example to others around you, even if they're older than you, maybe even older in, in Christ, we need to make sure we're right. Spending time in the Word. Spending time in prayer. Sometimes it, it, it can be hard with our daily routine. And 
I know for me, I have to be disciplined and have that time. My time is different than my wife's. She's not a morning person. As the older I get, the, more, the earlier I wake up. I'm not real thrilled with that. <laughs> but I am slowly becoming a morning person. But you know what? Especially the last year or so, I really enjoy. I love my family. Let me have that disclaimer. But I like the peace and quiet. When I wake up about 7.30 or so and have my time with God, no one else up. Of course, I have my cup of coffee. It's hard to do much without that first. But I, I enjoy that time. My wife usually does it uh, in bed at night. That's her time. And, uh, but you've got to, in my opinion, you've got to be disciplined and find what works for you. We need to be right. We need to have, we need to be a light as well. And my grandma gave me, a, I, I'll never forget this, she gave me one of my first Bibles when I was about seven or eight. And she gave it to me for Christmas and, man, I just thought that was one of the best Christmas. I lo- almost every Christmas I got a new basketball. That was usually a, a go-to for my parents, a new basketball. But my grandma this one year got me a new Bible, and I still have it. And in it she underlined and wrote in the very, you know, the cover, uh, I, I pray that this verse will be your life verse. And it's Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men so they they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our world is watching us. Once they find out that you're a Christian, like it or not, there's a target. Your neighbors probably see you at your truest self, especially if they have a dog that likes to use your your yard as a bathroom or a cat. But we need to be right. Number two is we need to have might. We need to seek God's help for strength. We can't bring souls to Christ if we're trying to do it solely on our own. We must rely heavily on the power of God and the power of his written word. It can be very easy for those in ministry to have ideas, to have ways, you know what, I want to do this, and to try to push through. And it might not really be God's will. And a lot of times, I'm saying this from experience, we can fall flat. We can't do this without God's strength. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, if you want to turn there, you can. Hebrews 13, verses 5 through 6. Keep your life free from love and money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? He's our strength. 
I'll also read real quick First First Peter. I have that in the notes as well. First Peter five six through seven. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And then I have Philippians four thirteen. We most of us probably know it. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is our our helper. He is the one that we have to lean on. He is our strength. We have to go to God for his strength. Second one under that is we need to be in constant prayer. We have to be in community. What better way as a parent to connect with your kid is if you actually talk with them on a regular basis or a family member. It's the same with God, but he desires and deserves, in my opinion, a lot more of our time. We, we need to rely on the power of God when we must turn to him for prayer. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I also have there in 1 John 5, but I want us to, let's turn to Ephesians 3 and read that again, what Pastor read. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. Ephesians 3. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Lord, to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family is in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length, depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We must seek God's help for this might. We have to rely on his strength to be able to to do what we're, we're asked to do. We will fall flat if we don't. And then the third thing is we need to have sight. We need to have sight. We need to, our sight must be beyond the present and into eternity. Again, last night, uh, Ethan talked about this with eternity in view. Uh, I love how God has meshed a lot of times uh, in mission conferences and us missionaries sometimes end up crossing over some of the same points. It's not by chance, in my opinion. Mindy and I in the past have taught a a mini-seminar, if you will, a module at a few different mission conferences, and it was based on the book called Share Jesus Without Fear. And it's an incredible book. If you have that fear, as I would think most of us do about sharing the gospel, this really breaks it down 
on, on ways to do it. But we had a sub-theme, and it was basically the same thing that Ethan was talking about, is living with eternity in view. If we can wake up and, and, and see that, I think uh, it would allow our focus to be more on him and more in doing that. Turn to Philippians 3. Philippians 3, verses 17 through 21. I love how Paul starts verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. That's pretty bold. Follow my example and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now to tell you, even with fears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This should be exciting to us. This should motivate us to share with others. It should be exciting. Now, I want to leave you with one, one last uh, passage and to me it's such an encouraging and it's the one in Revelations towards the end of the, the book Revelations 21 Revelations 21 verses 1 through 4 then I saw a new heaven and a new, new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with him, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen? Man, that's exciting. I look forward to that. That should be something that we think about on a con and I, I fail at it. Ethan last night even said, you know, he fails at that. But, man, that should be something that we strive for. I have a, a pastor friend. Um, he really convicted me and challenged me. Uh, he's a pastor up in Colville. And uh, he shared recently that he gets up, he tries to, and, again, he's not perfect either, but he tries to each morning. During his time, he asks God, God, Show me 
an opportunity today. Show and help me recognize it. I think many times he shows us, but we, we're not in the mindset to recognize it. So that's sometimes we need to pray too. But I thought, I don't do that. I get up and I'm thinking, man, what should I have for breakfast? <laughs> or, or other things, you know what I mean? But that was very convicting. And I, I really like that. And the, the last thing, our sight must be for the lost. And that's Dennis. That was Dennis's example to me. There's a movie, and I want to start before I... I'm not promoting this movie, but there's a part of it that really impacted me when I, re, I saw it for the second time. It's called Hacksaw Ridge. Some of you might have seen it, and it's about Desmond Dodge, I think, Doss. And incredible story. And if you're not into mo uh, war movies, I understand that. Because there is some blood and gore and stuff like that. But the storyline is incredible about his strong stance in his faith. That he was not willing to carry a weapon. And they tried to oust him from the, the army. They tried to even uh, kick him out and... Uh, uh, court-martial, that was the word I was looking for. They tried to court-martial him. And without giving away too much, he ended up getting this Medal of Honor for service above and beyond. And it's because, again, if you haven't seen this, I apologize. You want to plug your ears. But the, there's a part where they had to climb up this ridge <clears throat> and get up, and that's where the, our, the enemy was at that time. And they were getting slaughtered, and they retreated and went back down, knowing that they were leaving a bunch of their men injured, possibly dying, but they had to leave. They all left except for Desmond. He couldn't leave uh, his, his brothers. He couldn't leave them. So he spent that next night, each one he would grab, and sometimes it was under fire. And he had to carry, he had to drag, and the guy was about this big around. And he was carrying these men to the edge, and then he would lower them down. And what caught me the second time I watched it, he would drop back and lay in the dirt, his hands bleeding from lowering on the rope, and he said, Lord, help me get one more. And he'd go back and he'd get one more, and he'd lower him down, and he'd exhausted, ready to give up, and go, Lord, help me get one more. And I thought, what an incredible picture. That's how we should be, shouldn't it? That, Lord, help me with one more opportunity. And then when that one comes, Lord, help me with one more opportunity. One more chance. We don't know when our time is up. Uh, I just had a, a good friend pass on. He, is, he uh, had an incredible battle, 27 years of brain cancer, and he died at the age of 30. And, I mean, yeah, it's very sad, but know what? He's with God now. You know, some people said, uh, cancer beat him. No, Ryan won. He's with his heavenly father now and stuff. My point is, we don't know when our time is is done here. It could be short. We need to have sight 
for the loss.